little disclaimer here right at the top. Went through a little bit of mouth trauma the other day, not nearly as sexy or as interesting as it sounds. So if I sound a little hoarse or otherwise different, let's just chalk it up to that. Anyway, let's get started. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. And um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I did have a little bit of a periodontal surgery the other day. So that's part of why you're getting this episode a day or so later than normal. Mostly because I wasn't sure that I wanted to necessarily record an episode this week. And also because I was kind of trying to figure out exactly what topic I wanted to take. There's a bunch of different ones I was considering. I didn't want to go too nostalgic because we just did that a couple weeks ago. Um, and I normally lately have been trying to lean away from just doing straight up reviews uh, in the interest of keeping the show fresh and not being exactly like every other movie related podcast out there where every week we're just doing another review. So I try to do that. I'm trying to circulate between discussion topics and uh, straight up reviews and like uh, throwback and that kind of thing. So, so if I sound a little weird, it's because my mouth is still swollen um, from the other day. And um, yeah, so ultimately where I ended up with this episode is I was tossing around a couple other ideas, one of which I'll probably get to in the near future. But I ended up just settling on a review of this week's, I, I would say probably most talked about at least if you follow film Twitter like I do, most talked about release, and that being Boots Riley's uh, new film, Sorry to Bother You. So there's a few reasons why I decided to go for this one as opposed to one of the other big studio releases. One, it's it's um, it's got a very specific vision to it that I think uh, flies in the face of a lot of the so-called mainstream, I'm doing air quotes as I say that, mainstream uh, Hollywood blockbusters hitting right around now in the summer months. And also, it does feel like it has a groundswell of support going on in the critical community right now, or at least the corners of the critical community that I frequent. So, in short, it's the kind of movie that needs to be talked about and that warrants further discussion and that kind of thing. And therefore, I felt it was a better choice than, uh, you know, delving deeper into Ant-Man and the Wasp or The First Purge, both of which you can read my reviews for on monkeysfightingrobots.com. And initially, I was planning on reviewing Sorry to Bother You for Monkeys Fighting Robots, and I did not get a chance to do parts of the surgery that I mentioned already. And so I felt like, uh, well, this is a good opportunity to shed a little light on my thoughts on this film and uh, spread the word about Sorry to Bother You. So since I uh, since it's been a while since I've done one of these solo reviews, let me refresh for those of you listening the format that I usually try and take. So I'm going to talk about the hype, I'm going to talk about the story, the cast, the production, and then finally the verdict. So going into this one uh, with the hype, I had very little idea what to expect. I knew it was, um, you know, it was the feature debut from Boots Riley, who's part of the hip hop group The Coup. I knew that it uh, had Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson in the leads, and I knew that it had sort of a racial satire. Uh, underpinning to it, that it was kind of weird and out there, maybe with some sci-fi or fantastical elements thrown in, but I didn't really know much about the premise or like the multiple twists or um, just how far this movie was going to go. So I was completely blindsided when I went in the theater, just like, all right, show me a, an exciting new vision from this film, new filmmaker and this cast of people that I'm already a fan of. Um, you know, take me on a journey 
and uh, you know, tell me your story. So, which I, ideally, of course, is the best way to watch any film. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of hubbub back and forth now, especially with social media and this sort of spo- spoiler culture that we're living in about, oh, do I have to avoid Twitter for weeks before, you know, so I don't get the end of Infinity War or, or uh, you know, whatever movie, whatever latest big movie everybody's talking about, so I don't get that spoiled for me. And I feel like this is probably one of the best examples of a film that I've seen in recent memory where that really holds true. I mean, you're not, you're going to watch, you know, you're not going to have really Skyscraper skyscraper spoiled for you. The Rock fights people, he kicks ass, explosions, whatever. It's, it is what it is. It's a Hollywood action movie. But this movie is going for something so different and so out there that the less you know about it going in, the better. So if you're listening to this review, um, expecting spoilers, Sorry, you're going to be disappointed because I'm not going for full spoilers on this one, though it does warrant a full spoiler discussion, um, simply because I want to, you know, the movie's still expanding out. I don't know if it's, I think it might be, no, I don't think it's, it's not wide release yet. I think it's still kind of expanding uh, to different markets and things like that. And I want people to discover this for themselves. I don't, you don't need me uh, telling you my interpretation of the multiple plot points uh, going on in the film, especially not to get into this part of it, but especially as as a white guy talking about a movie that's all about race, I don't want to impose my own read on a movie until other people have had a chance to take it in for themselves and break it down. And this is one of those films I'm looking forward to all the analysis videos that I'm sure will follow on YouTube and, uh, you know, and further other podcasts and other forms of media that this is going to inspire. So that's my going into this one. That was my hype. I had very little seen the poster and I knew the principal stars and I knew that the, the uh, not even genre per se, but the tone perhaps that it was kind of going for. Plot-wise, I was completely in the dark. And as I mentioned, if you uh, have any interest in any of the things that I've mentioned about this film thus far, that's all you should know about it. Just go in from there and uh, strap in. So going into the story. So very, very, uh, you know, surface level uh, premise-wise, this movie is about a young man named Cassius Green living in Oakland. It's sort of an alternate version of Oakland. It's not meant to accurately reflect the world that we live in, I I hope. I mean, it's supposed to comment on it, obviously, but it's not meant to be a direct translation of our current timeline or whatever. Um, But um, he, he played by Lakeith Stanfield and Cassius Green gets a job working for a telemarketing company and, um, discovers, and this is the one line synopsis that will be in the post for this, uh, for this episode, discovers basically this hidden talent that he has that really helps him catapult through his way through, uh, through the company that he's, that he's, you know, that this new job that he's starting. Tessa Thompson plays his girlfriend and she's, um, working a series of odd jobs and kind of spinning signs and things like that as it started. So it really kind of focuses on their relationship and uh, Cassius being sort of down on his luck and trying to make his way to pay his rent, uh, to, you know, kind of find his direction in the world and find a place for himself that he fits in. Along the way, I mean, you, the Army Hammer shows up and a bunch of, there's a bunch of other people that I'm not going to get specifically into their roles, but, um, I think that the, the, the the very basic story here it feels very it has a little bit of like an office space style uh corporate commentary thing and that's where a lot of the movie starts it's very much about class and race and um how those are intertwined and how they affect not only what you you know the actions of an individual but also 
on a, on a larger societal scope. And I think that the film does an interesting job of exploring Cassius through this crazy uh, adventure that he ends up and um, has a lot to say along the way. So plot-wise, that's kind of all I really want to get into with that. So casting, this film, I remember you, I already mentioned Lakeith Stanfield, who uh, ironically is probably best known for, not ironically, but I guess fittingly, is best known probably for last year's Get Out, as um, you know, he had a sort of supporting role in there. And Tessa Thompson, who I first really noticed in Dear White People a few years ago, which, again, both of those are very much satires on race and culture and, uh, you know, um, kind of opening people's eyes to, um, to how it informs, you know, our world and how it, it drives a lot of the decisions and a lot of the machinations behind the scenes and things like that. And I think it's, uh, it's interesting that both of them are drawn to this project and they're continuing to explore the, those themes as people of color and as, you know, in uh, the current political and uh, cultural landscape that we're in. So cast-wise, we also have Army Hammer showing up. I mentioned him briefly already. And uh, he's kind of the, I, not really a spoiler to say that he's the CEO of the company, of a, of a big company in town, kind of the, uh, I guess, the huge, the, the big corporate entity in this film, I guess. So he sort of represents that side of this alternate universe Oakland where the film takes place. You also have Stephen Yen from The Walking Dead and Omari Hardwick is this very mysterious character. And Danny Glover has some screen time, not that much in there, as a co-worker of Cassius Green. <clears throat> Terry Crews is his uncle. So it's a very great ensemble cast of characters that show up in here, um, all of whom have their moments, but none of whom really detract too much from... Um, Oh, and Jermaine Fowler, by the way, is another one of Cassius's friends. I want to make sure I mention him because he was really good in his scenes. Um, I, even though it has this ensemble supporting cast, the film does a good job of really focusing in on Cassius and his journey and how it affects both him and his girlfriend, Detroit, played by Tessa Thompson. Um, it's, it's, it's a really, uh, it's a really hard, hard, tone to pull off i think in this film and requires a very specific performance style from these actors because as as you know as everybody knows with comedy it's the usually as the straighter you play it the funnier it is and these people feels they feel real in this otherworldly world and i think that's so key to this film working um because if you had people acting you know goofy and and just bouncing off the walls from day from the, the very beginning of the movie then you wouldn't, um, you know, it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't feel grounded. It wouldn't feel relevant in, in the same kind of way. It would just feel like a, like a cartoon. And there are elements of this film that push that, those limits and go that far. But I think the performances are wisely really grounded and you can relate to these characters, even if the situations that they're dealing with are, um, are obviously, uh, extrapolated out to the nth degree. And I think, um, you know, there's a real, there's a real, uh, there's a real zest that these, this cast brings to this material that, that really elevates it even higher. I think in, in lesser hands, uh, this film could have come across as, uh, more of a throwaway, um, you know, more, less, less impactful had it not had such gifted actors, uh, you know, filling out the, the roles. So that takes us to, again, we're kind of breezing past this a little bit faster than I was anticipating, mostly because, mostly because the film 
I'm trying to retain a lot of the spoilers, of which there are many. So, again, if you're interested in seeing this, go and go just go see it and don't uh, don't read anything online. Don't Google it. Don't do the Wikipedia synopsis or the summary of the plot or anything. Just go check it out. Don't even talk to people. Just go see it and then talk about it after because you'll have a lot to say. But um, going into the production, this it's hard to believe that this is Boots Riley's first film as a writer-director. Uh, it's first film period. I mean, I, I, he's primarily primarily a musician, um, you know, rapper and, and that kind of thing for his work with uh, the Coup and Street Sweeper Social Club. And it's it's impressive. I think this is in a lot of ways getting compared to Jordan Peele's Get Out from last year. And I think rightfully so, because he, he presents this vision with such confidence and uh, unique sense of style. It, it helps that Tune Yards and the Coup both worked on the music. So the music here is really... Uh, really keeps the momentum going and really has this sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, singular, I don't want to keep using the word vision, but this sort of singular anarchic tone to it that complements the story that the film's trying to tell. And it's hard to, it's hard to go into this and, and realize that this is a filmmaker's first uh, time at bat. And um, it makes me very excited to see what he does next and... Um, if he, you know, if this is just scratching the surface of the talent that he brings to this, uh, the colors are really vibrant in this film. The editing is really swift. It, it's constantly moving. You're constantly trying to guess what's going on. And, um, every, even though some of the scenes for me, like, I think some of, there's some, there's some moments in this movie that feel, uh, particularly egregious in their weirdness, I guess, or their, their bizarre tone. Um, some of them, even, even the ones that didn't quite hit me the right way, or maybe took me out of the experience for a moment, they have, like, I, you can instantly see sort of a, uh, uh, cultural relevance for why they're in there, for what Riley's trying to say. And so even when I'm not, like, 100% soaked into the, um, the events in the film and, and where Cassius's story takes him, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just feeling like a film I want to revisit and, uh, understand and dissect a little more and be like, oh, so this is supposed to be, re- you know, this is referencing this part of our culture. This is, has, you know, this scene has, uh, this particular message to send about what's happening nowadays. And, and it's, it's interesting because the film, and I sort of allude to, allude to this in the text on the, uh, on the post for this podcast. Again, if I'm sounding weird, it's because my, my top part of my mouth is really swollen still, so apologies for that again. But the film has... It feels like Office Space and Get Out like got to, were put together in a blender and then the weirdness was turned up to 11. I think right now with everything that's going on in our world between with race and class and uh, you know conformity and um, just... you know The culture is just evolving in some ways and devolving in others and so there's that this divisiveness and and, it, and it's obviously i mean we mentioned toxic fandom on this podcast a few weeks ago with kai and i talking about oceans 8 and the whole star wars thing but like everything it feels so much more divided and it's t- it's really important for films like sorry to bother you or get out or dear white people or you know um i don't know older versions older films like idiocracy or office space which i've already mentioned to use satire to really push things forward and uh keep the the progress flowing and keep the conversations coming and i think that sorry to bother you in that in that respect 
is sort of crystallizing for me the fact that we might be in a little bit of a perfect storm uh, for satire right now in that, you know, anybody can make a movie and be like, this is an important message about, you know, um, this is an important commentary on parallel between this thing that happened during, you know, slavery or during civil rights or during, you know, uh, this whatever Vietnam War or whatever different things and drawing a parallel between that and today's America. And I think it's much more, you're more, you're much more likely to convince other people of your perspective, of your point of view, and of the message that you're trying to convey when you package it in around humor. And, you know, this is something, this is not news to anybody. This is something that comedians have been doing forever. If you listen to George Carlin or Richard Pryor or a lot of the great comedians, they use humor to take a stance on the issues of the day. And I think that, sorry to bother you in that way, uh, it's probably, the best representation, uh, one of the best representations to date of just how uh, rife those uh, those themes and those messages and those, um, you know, that uh, that perspective brings to to what we're dealing with now and the, the kind of cultural crossroads we're, I guess, perpetually finding ourselves on, but which is a, which is even more pertinent right now to women's rights and to, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and March for Our Lives and all these other things that are happening that people are talking about on both sides, debating so heavily, whether it's big real life issues like that, or whether it's, you know, Star Wars and, oh, they're ruining the French or whatever, little, little minute seemingly, you know, uh, little minute things that in the grand scheme of things don't really matter because break it down, it's all entertainment of the Star Wars and that kind of, you know, the, all those inner DC Marvel squabbles and all that stuff. But there's such division right now. And it takes films like this to bring people together in conversation, whether however you react to this film, it will get a reaction from you. You'll either love it, you'll hate it, you'll love it or hate it with other with reservations and i consider myself and i guess this sort of leads right into the verdict part of this podcast i i definitely consider myself in the love it with reservations like there were things about this film that i really liked um it, it kept me guessing the whole way through like i said the performances and the vision and uh what boots riley is trying to say are very clear um it, it does seem a little sprawling sometimes in what it's trying to comment on um, it, it takes on so many themes between, like I said, race and class and, uh, you know, corporations versus, you know, individuals and creativity versus conformity and uh, individuality versus, you know, belonging and those all those kinds of things that I think are really potent. And um, it, sometimes it feels a little overwhelming, in fact, how much this film takes on. And where it does take you, especially in the third act, is really going to turn a lot of people off. I think people that are just not ready for um, the levels and the depths to which this film uh, goes, just it just takes not even a left turn, like a couple left turns. And, um, you know, you're either going to roll with it and laugh at how ridiculous and kind of crazy it is, or you're going to be like, oh, this is stupid and turn it off and move on. And if that's your, that's how you react, that's fine. For me, I was intrigued by this, by the way it went in the third act and, where the story, uh, where the story is heading down uh, at that, and where where it ends up, and what it is trying to say. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, rewatching this at some point, introducing it to Kai because I'm really interested to see what her reaction is going to be. Um, but it has a, a very, you know, I think with this film, Boots Riley's created something very special, uh, very unique, and very uh, 
provocative. And I'm really, I'm seeing a lot of people talk on Twitter about about this film and trying to get people to see it and commenting on how it like, they were like, what the fuck did I just watch? And that kind of thing. And that was sort of my thinking was, and I even tweeted this after I saw it, what the fuck did I just watch? Also, I think it's kind of brilliant. Um, it's going to stick with people, I think, throughout the rest of the year. And it'll be really interesting to me to see if, um, you know, we're talking so much lately about diversity and representation and, and uh, Oscar's so white, and um, we're seeing the Academy evolve a lot in the last couple of years, introducing a wider range of individuals and voices um, within its ranks, within its membership. So it'll be interesting to see if this film could crack the awards system and get either screenplay nomination or you know cinematography or production something. Because if this film gets anything, I will be really impressed with how progressive um, the industry has come in just the last couple of years, because it, it is such a, like, I could see, this is definitely one of those movies that might have people walking out, just being like, yeah, this is fucking, this is fucking crazy, and uh, not what I signed up for. In a way, it kind of felt a little bit to me, like, maybe not quite to the same level as something like Swiss Army Man, but it felt like it's going to be very polarizing. And thus far, I'm seeing mostly positive, not only, not review, not just reviews from critics, but I'm seeing a lot of people that I think are, for the most part, really responding to this in a very positive way. So I'm hoping that that'll be the case because I think it's important, especially now that we live in a world of reboots and remakes and, you know, sequels that go on forever, whether it's Star Wars or Marvel or DC or Transformers or Fast and Furious or whatever, like every movie costs $200 million. And I think it's important that this movie only costs, you know, I don't even know how much it, I can't even find the budget because it's probably so small. But uh, I think it's important to, keep that balanced not even balanced but to have fresh uh to have new voices come in there into the mix and sort of counteract a lot of the a lot of the bombast of what we think of as hollywood films and so having us a, uh, a more independent uh feature like sorry to bother you come out there and remind us that oh wait movies can be different they can be awesome they can push the conversation in a way that doesn't feel you know, rote or predictable and um, that can surprise you and make you react with, you know, uproarious laughter or disgust or tears or whatever. And they can sideswipe, uh, sideswipe you in a lot of ways. And I think Sorry to Bother You does that in all the best ways. So for me, my verdict for this one, I'm currently at a four out of five. I can see that if I watch this again or I think about it more or I hear more discussions about I could see that probably possibly eking up to a 4.5 just because there were some gags in this film that I didn't that didn't react well with me or that I was like well this I get what you're saying but I maybe you could have preferred it I mean I maybe would have preferred the message be sent in a slightly different way because this is you know maybe sort of off-putting for me or whatever um, but I, I definitely did enjoy the film quite a bit and it's highly recommended. So if Sorry to Bother You is playing in a theater near you I would just definitely check that out instead of going to see you know the Ant-Man again or something else support films like this because it's important that uh, these you know film movies are one of the biggest shapers of our culture and I think it's important that when a filmmaker takes a chance or in a production house like Annapurna Pictures takes a chance on a film this bold uh, as bold and as different and as uh, refreshing as Sorry to Bother You it's important that we support those that we give those our dollars and that we um, you know, and tell the industry that we want to see more of uh, more different filmmakers creating visions and telling the stories that are important to them. So if you haven't seen Sorry to Bother You yet, 
definitely check it out. I'm highly recommended from from me and uh, might I don't know if it's going to crack my top ten of the year, but it has a good chance at this point. Uh, if not, probably an honorable mention. But definitely check out that film. That's pretty much all I had this week. I just wanted to discuss that. As I mentioned, there was a couple other things that I was mulling over, but there's a very good chance I might do some of those another time, either in article form or another podcast. That's all I have for now. For this week coming up, I'm going. I'm probably going to catch up on either Skyscraper or Sicario de la Soldado. So you know, maybe I'll talk about one of those next week. We'll see what happens. Uh, but if you like what we're doing here at the Crooked Table Podcast, please consider, consider contributing to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash crooked table. You can also rate and review the show at uh, on iTunes to help others find us. You can find me, Robert Yanis Jr., on Twitter at Crooked Table. Of course, you can find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies at crookedtable.com. Uh, be back with next week with another episode and hopefully less swollen mouth so I won't sound so uh, like uh, puffy cheek Marlon Brando and the Godfather style. Uh, until then, I've been Rob. We'll catch you around the table next week. Roll credits. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>